Harold Ramis died this week. Well, one of the many films that we've been thinking about this week is Groundhog Day, which he wrote. Um, the scene you're hearing right now is, you know, the scene that start, starts the day Bill Murray is living over and over again. Now, Tom Baudet, uh, you have a kind of a special connection to this movie, right? Yes, I do. I, I it's I don't know if I think of it as a, a missed opportunity or just a, a near miss. When uh, they were developing this movie they approached motel six who i do the advertising for of course about doing a product placement thing where when that that radio goes off in the, every morning and bill murray wakes up to the same day rather than it being the sunny and share song that we always hear it was going to be me doing a motel <laughs> six commercial and I was thrilled when they approached us about this, but they'd only sent like one page of the script. <laughs> and so so it looked like, wow, no kidding. I'm going to be in a movie with Bill Murray, you know, and I'm already walking the red carpet, you know, and I'm just like, you know, the Oscar nomination for best product placement and all of this stuff <laughs> is going is is going through my my head. And the interim marketing director, who was mostly just empowered to say no, um, did say no. And and then, of course, the, the movie came out, and I went to it very eagerly to see who did get um, get the part. And uh, and it was it was Sonny and Cher, and that's when I realized that we'd really dodged the bullet and that this interim marketing director probably saved his career by saying no because it becomes the annoying thing in the movie, right? Yeah. yeah. It could have been me. Like, it could have been me that when he smashes the clock finally on, like, the 70th time he goes through this, that it's me he's smashing. It probably would have killed the campaign that has put one kid through college and two more <laughs> on their way right now. Do you remember your line, Tom? I, you know, I don't remember if it even was that specific um, about exactly what it was. I'm guessing, just guessing that it was going to be Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you, and then Bill Murray smashes the clock. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like we should give you the opportunity. You, you should have a classic movie moment. It could be like, uh, frankly, my dear, we'll leave the light on for you, or... Oh yeah. What we have here is a failure to leave the light on for you. It, is there any classic movie? We'll put it together for you. Mhm. Mm it's got to be a Bruce Willis. It's what got to be one of the Die Hard movies. Oh. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be the, you know, like the uh the the snarky thing he says just before he torches the bad guy or something, you know. I want that to be the line. Yeah, we'll put it together. Okay. Um if this costs me my job, I want another job with you guys. You got it? Yeah, you got it. First, we'll play the, the original scene here. I was always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. I really like those sequined shirts. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki mother Okay, and then, uh, Tom, are you, are you ready? We're going we're gonna to put you in it. Okay. Okay, here we go. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? We'll leave the light on for you, mother f***er. Tom Baudet is an author and a spokesperson for Motel 6. 
This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to find romance at the gym. Without being creepy. But first... The Oscars are Sunday night. You you know that moment uh, when you're watching the Oscars and they're announcing the award, Best Actor or Best Actress, and they, they have that shot where they show the faces of all the nominees on screen at the same time. What are you supposed to do with your face? Because either you're going to win and be excited, or you're going to lose and feel terrible. And look mad. Uh, John Lithgow has been nominated for many awards, Oscars. He's won Emmys. He's won Golden Globes. So, John, uh, what's going on in your head at that moment? Well, you know... <laughs> I would say the most, the craziest aspect of the whole experience is uh, the body chemistry. Your, your, your whole body goes kind of crazy. There's a whole new supply of adrenaline or some chemical coursing through your whole body. And you have no control over what's, what your face is doing, I think. You know, I mean, I'm an actor. I've had uh, stage fright and opening night jitters. I've had all the all variety of nerves, but nothing is like uh, is like being on camera at a big, big awards show. Now, do uh, you do you think about okay, what if I don't win? Somebody else's somebody else wins. If I'm disappointed, how do I how do I hide that on my face? Ah, uh, well, I guess you do think about those things, but I think it's the kind of thing you think about beforehand. But all thoughts. All rational thoughts go out of your brain at the time, and you just hope for the best. Well, and, and what makes it so so unique is that we can all see the moment uh, as it unfolds, the moment between being a nominee and being a loser. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll never forget, I was nominated for Terms of Endearment, along with Deborah Winger, she for Best Actress, and I Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. And I lost Jack Nicholson, she lost... To Shirley MacLaine, and at the at, and of course the, the the show won best screenplay, best picture, best director. It was a colossal winner in every aspect except our two awards. And at the party afterwards, we were so drunk and depressed, <laughs> just amazing. It, it, it was really almost worse than not, not even being in the movie. Really, <laughs> and there we were on top of the world. What what's it like? I, I always wonder about this. Um, after you win, and uh, you go backstage, you know, you take uh, whatever uh, trophy you've won, and, and you go backstage, whatever yeah. statuette. Yeah. What what happens back there? Is there high fiving? Oh, it's colossal. It's it's a really really ecstatic victory lap. It's simply amazing, and you're hyperventilating. You're almost fainting. You're so incredibly pleased with yourself. You know, everybody's just puffing you up like mad, and it lasts for a good hour. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty seductive. It's well, uh, and uh, by the same token, if you have to sit there uh, uh, in your seat, having lost to somebody, uh, you just—I <laughs> don't know—you just feel awful. <laughs> Uh, And the worst of it is the awards shows are incredibly long and boring. I mean, they have little, they're they're a little, they're kind of fun until you lose, at which point they are a nightmare. Nothing is funny. You you wish you weren't there. And yet you still have to be cheerful. You never know when they're going to cut to you. (laughs) Right. It sounds like, uh, it sounds like one thing you're maybe saying is, you know, the thing people always say that it's an honor just to be nominated 
that that's true, but then once the awards are announced, it it's actually worse to be nominated. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to say such a thing. You're you're so envied by everybody, even for being there, and you have to hang on to that. Yeah. Uh, I always my motto is cultivate humility. You never know when you're going to need it, <laughs> and you need it after you've lost the, one of these awards. One one of the challenges I imagine being nominated for a supporting actor category is that's one of the first awards they give. Yeah. And you have to, if you do lose, then you have to sit there for yeah. the entire three or four hour event. Well, you don't have to. It, uh, my wife and I have, uh, have developed a little strategy over the years. Yeah. Nobody really notices if you slip away. <laughs> <laughs> have you done that? And we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Has anyone, John, has anyone ever tried to stop you when you, you and your wife are sneaking out during the ceremony? No. No, they really don't notice you if you've lost. <laughs> oh, it's heartbreaking. And it's good to embrace that, you know, just to, the, the, ah, good. It's going to be a much simpler evening from now on. Well, on the one hand, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad you don't win. You, get to, you leave early. On the other hand, you've just opened up two good seats uh, for some <laughs> seat fillers. That's right. The seat fillers are happy, uh, and, this, and they have good seats at that. Yeah, if Lithgow eats it, that's two seats for some seat fillers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, this has been great. Thank you, John. Okay. John Lithgow's latest film is Love is Strange. Hey, John. What can we help you with? Uh, a lot of times I listen to your podcast uh, at the gym, uh, where right. I try and go three or four times a week. And I was kind of, I was kind of curious to know, uh, I'm not socially inept. I'm, I'm not a coward uh, by any means, but I was, I was hoping you could... Uh, Help me figure out how to talk to girls at the gym. Sure, I, it it is it is like a real. Uh, it's kind of a hot zone of of creepy. Yeah, be, because you know we all have those friends who are girls who talk about the guys at their gym or refer to their their um, their gym as sort of a meat market. Yeah, right. um, I think also there's it, it's kind of like a sanctuary for some people, or sort of one of those places where. Um, you know, like the grocery store where you might run out in your curlers and sweatpants to get a loaf of bread or, or like a an airport where you're sort of entitled to be in your own zone, but there's some gray area. There. It, it's interesting because it's like kind of the place where, uh, you know, you, you're you working on a lot of what you use to attract another person. Mm-hmm. And yet it's a place where generally you don't want, uh, to, you don't want that attraction to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's it, the it's the workshop for your body, though. Like the the product isn't finished yet, mm, so maybe that's maybe yeah. that's why people are hesitant is because it's it's an unfinished work. Yeah, and and I think I think that also you know guys have the benefit of you know maybe having kind of like an old T-shirt and baggy pants, but girls' workout clothes, um, rather intentionally or, or by design or whatever, are, are a little bit more uh, revealing and and form fitting, and I think that maybe girls are in a slightly more vulnerable place in mm. the gym because their whole situation is being showcased while ours is sort of, you know, draped in, in baggy workout clothes. So I feel like also there, like, I don't want to seem like a predator for being like, hey, like, uh, looking good. Right. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. Um, you know, also, I'm not, I'm not this kind of beefcake guy who can, you know, I'm more the dweeb whose, you know, face gets pushed into the sand at the beach well we're gonna look into this um we'll try and find some way for you to 
to break the ice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, perhaps a trainer, perhaps some receptionist. I'm sure someone has pulled it off before, and I would, I would love to hear their tale. You know, it, se- it seems like the thing to do is to just, just go to a gym and try out some techniques and see what works. We'll head to a gym, and we will hit on a woman. That sounds horrible. But that's exactly what we're going to do. You'll know we're there when we start speaking in hushed tones. Buffed. Maybe some grunts. Hushed tones. First of all, I should be, I've never, I don't think I've ever hit on anybody in my whole life. In any setting? No. You're married. I've been, yeah, that's right. I've been married for a long time. How did, how'd that start? Uh, Our parents arranged it. Okay, we are at uh, Anytime Fitness in uh, downtown Chicago. And here with us uh, to be our subject, the subject of our hits, is Emily. Emily has gone off to exercise. She's on a, a treadmill. Uh, Mike and I have a list of strategies that, that we've researched. I, have, I guess let's just try them. Yeah. You go first. Here I go. Hey, uh, I'm new here. Do you know how to start up this treadmill? You press quick start, and then you pick how fast. You use the up and down arrows on the speed section to determine how fast you want to go. Oh. And, like, what's, what's like, a good speed for, like, for somebody to run at? Well, what kind of runner are you? Are you someone who's just starting out? Have you run before? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of getting into it, but I'm pretty athletic and stuff, so. I would say maybe like an 8.30 pace. Okay, 8.30. Okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this. So this piece of advice, I, so I was asking for some advice as a way to start a conversation. I'm definitely somebody who if someone asks me a question, I'm gonna help you out, especially if I feel bad for you, so. It's definitely, for me personally, I would talk to you. <laughs> Good way to start a conversation. Okay, so Mike, uh, you're on. Hey, so uh, any good shows you'd recommend to watch? This is a bad one for me because I don't watch TV that much. Because I feel like that's a safe, another safe zone. Actually, once I was at the gym and I like the show Nova on PBS and they had one on Venom and from the way that I was looking at the TV, because it was kind of disgusting, the guy next to me, he was like, I have to ask, what are you watching? And then as soon as I told him, it was over. So here's a guy who potentially is he's breaking the ice with you, he's talking to you, but because the thing you were watching was so gross, he was like, you know what, not her. I think it was just PBS, kind of, yeah. Can I just can I just take a moment to say uh, to John or, or anyone who is trying to find romance at the gym, uh, it's a bad idea to have uh, an audio recorder, a microphone, and, and headphones. It it only I'm fi- I'm feeling it only adds to your creepiness. I would just say that when it comes to Emily, we are both striking out. Okay, here here goes another piece of advice. That, now I'm gonna uh, do one of the don'ts that we were advised against by several several sources. So here it goes. What do you think of that grunting? It's really annoying, kind of scary. If that guy who's grunting right there started talking to you, uh, would it matter what he said? No, no. The damage has been done. Yeah. The, the amazing thing about this one, several sources pointed out don't grunt, which suggests that a lot of people are grunting to sort of suggest that they're doing a really tough workout to kind of show off. But grunting, under no circumstances is a grunt a positive. 
I don't think it is, and I agree with you. I think it kind of just makes it seem like you're trying to show everybody how hard you're working. So really, so being an honest idiot is the way, the best way to kind of make that first move. Yes, make the make the woman feel smart. Yes. You know, I imagine this kind of thing happens happens all the time at the gym. People trying to hit on other people. Kimberly and Tony both work here at the gym. I wear dark sunglasses and earbuds just to make it's kind of like being the dart frog. You don't you want them to know I'm poisonous. Stay away. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, that's that's par for the course. I mean, there is no uncreepy way to hit on a woman in a gym. And I'm really not into gym rat guys, surprisingly. I like well-upholstered men. I like men that healthy but not necessarily muscle gym rat guys. I've never heard well-upholstered well before. Yeah. It's like a good chair. You just want to get in it and snuggle up. Has some padding. Has some padding. Hey, guys. My name is Jessica, and I usually decompress and listen to your podcast as I drive home from teaching health and PE to middle schoolers. Hormonal children equals insanity. Thanks. Jessica, these next 15 seconds are for you. Jessica, I, I would just like to say to uh, to you and to your students, I hope all of your students pass the presidential fitness exam. I hope that you do the pull-ups or flex arm hangs. the Depending on ability. Yeah, the uh, stretch past your feet that you have to do. I hope that, that everyone finds the strength within to, uh, to exercise to their best, to a presidential level. And if anyone doesn't achieve that level, I hope that they don't carry it along with them for the rest of their lives. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? I learned that uh, sometimes it's not an honor just to be nominated. I'd love to hear somebody say that. You know what? It's a curse to be nominated. This was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. They would totally change the Oscars. If everybody in that moment when when they revealed it, if the losers were just like, God, ah! Yeah, you just look down and Bradley Cooper's just giving a finger to the camera. Meryl Streep loses, just walks over and punches Jennifer Lawrence yeah. right in the face. I, I learned that uh, a nice thing uh, you can say to somebody who's, uh, you know, uh, a little over overweight maybe, is they have a nice upholstery. I'd never heard that before. It comes from a fitness professional. Someone who cares about body type. Or it's a nice thing to say uh, about somebody who's maybe a little plaid or paisley. How to Do Everything is produced by Stephen Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week, probably because we cost him his job, is Tom Bodette. Good job, Tom. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. We'll leave the light on for you, motherfucker.